0: Y'all, and welcome back, or for the first time, to the Artist Sanctuary with Whitney Morrison, where we gain clarity and inspiration as we explore the heart, mind, and soul of being an artist. I am your host, Whitney Morrison. I am a singer, uh, a recent alum of the Lyric Opera of Chicago's Ryan Opera Center an emerging artist, a music minister, a thought leader, speaker, arts advocate, and artist advocate. And I am here to be your companion as we take this journey together toward honing our why and allowing it to inform our lives as artists. On today's episode, we are going to unpack a most unglamorous superpower. Um, it's something that I have at times left untapped, and I fear that we all will leave it somewhat untapped if we don't talk about it today. Kind of cryptic, right? <laughs> but hold on, we're gonna get there. we just taking our time today. So, um, if you're not multitasking, go ahead and light a candle, grab some tea, get your journal, I would recommend that for today, and a blanket, and um, let's get started. But just before we do, let us pray. And if you don't pray, it's okay, because I will. God, be in my head and in my understanding. God, be in my eyes and in my looking. God, be in my mouth and in my speaking. God, be in my heart and in my thinking. God, be at my end and at my departing. Amen. That prayer came to us from the hymn, God be in my head. The words appeared first in English in 1514 in a book of hours, and the author is unknown. So the best way to really get to the heart of our topic for today is through our quote, of the day. And I know we usually have a lot of quotes, so I'm gonna start calling it the anchor quote. Um, And it goes like this for today. Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. Mary Oliver. Now, don't you turn this off. Don't you turn it off. I'm gonna have to black you don't turn it off. Uh, first of all, because I need a witness. Y'all, this has been a struggle for me to get this content together for this. Um, and this is like an act of courage for me to really embrace something that I really struggle to face. Um, but also, I really believe in my heart of hearts, as the church people say, <laughs> that if we're able to face our own mortality, that there are some really super powerful opportunities available to us in, uh, in this human experience. Also, uh, heart of hearts, <laughs> y'all, that's so church. <laughs> First of all, that's churchy. Second of all, do other people even use that expression? Third of all, why does it heart of hearts and wheel of a middle of, wait, wheel in the middle of a wheel? Why do those always stump me? Like, what do those things mean? (laughs) And I know you can say it's an idiom or whatever. Um, Like church people say, uh, like this one mother used to say, um, God is in the making. I still don't know what that means. It makes more sense. (laughs) It makes more sense these days. But um, if you know what any of that means, please um, educate your girl because I be struggling, okay? Uh, But back to the topic. um, I just want to be clear that I'm not here to feign like I got all the answers or any of them. Um, And today, we're not talking about religion in the sense of an afterlife. That's not what today is about. Today it is time to see our common fate in a way that informs our common humanity. Um, And I call it a superpower because it's common to all of us. And I figure it is a defining factor of the human experience. And if we can connect to ourselves and to our own, humanity and mortality in a deep and connected way I really feel like we can connect with all of humanity regardless of identity skin color religion and I think that is powerful even super powerful for any human being but especially for those of us in the arts it is imperative so um I'm hoping today that we can have some takeaways. One, I'm hoping to have have a little more sobriety, a stronger sense of sobriety. Um, Sometimes I think, I say I can be kind of intoxicated with life, with youth, with joy, with connection, which are all good things, but it kind of leaves me disconnected and sometimes distracted by things that don't matter, like, you know, social media and, you know, just all of the things that kind of distract us from what it really means to be human. I'm hoping that we'll get some perspective, that we take the courage to look at the scope of our lives, um, to define our usefulness and our purposefulness. And I'm hoping that I can get through this (laughs) and that we can have some courage um, that I'm trying to display now um, to really take risks in this one wild and precious life we have. So Whitney, how do you propose we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. There is this one exercise I've learned about And I would like to take you through it. So imagine three years from now, you're preparing for a loved one's funeral. It's a somber day and you're able to make it to the service and you see all the people you love and the people that love you You make your way down the center aisle to the casket and you see a familiar face, your own. This service is held for you. It's your funeral. During the service, one person from your family, one friend One work associate, one community or church member is able to speak about their experience with you during your life. What is it you hope that they would say three years from today? What is it you can do between now and then to make sure they have that experience. That's heavy, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Now, I know that's a lot and it's been a lot for me uh, but I really encourage you. I really encourage. I really encourage you to go through that exercise. If you can pause the video now, go ahead and pause it and think through that. Also, if you um, are anything like me, when I go through audiobooks, I just be like, "Keep going, cause I'm not. I'm not gonna stop." So if you like me, please do come back to it after the episode because there is a lot there and there is a lot to be mined for our futures in um, beginning with the end in mind. So I want to tell you about where that exercise came from. I have been hearing about this book, I feel like for all of my life. (laughs) Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. When I tell you every time I had heard about that book for a long time. I was just like, y'all, that sounds so dry. Ain't nothing in me. (laughs) Ain't nothing in me that wanna read that book. I mean, I'm sure it's a good book and I'm sure I'll read it eventually, but y'all, I just was not interested. Um, But for about the past 10 years, um, a lot of the content that I've been drawn to has quoted that book and that exercise in particular as a way for them to frame their lives and as something that has really changed it or changed their lives. And then I was like, okay, I'd have heard it one time, two times, three times. I said, sis, gonna read the book. Okay, at this point, you're gonna have to read it. And when I read it, I realized what a major influence um, that book has been on so much of the content that I have gravitated toward for you know like I said about the past 10 years um and it's so interesting y'all okay so I'm bringing it around but um I am an HBCU grad and so and one of my favorite television shows is A Different World okay love it Love it, love it. Have seen it multiple times, the whole season, the whole series. Um, sometimes I skip uh, season one because you know that was before Debbie Allen came in and put a little flavor on there, put the little hot sauce on the table, amen, Praise God. Um, but I've been rewatching it for Kamala because <laughs> <laughs> because she's an HBCU grad, and I'm like, yes, the first black woman in the White House in uh, the vice presidency is from an HBCU, shout out to all my HBCU people. Uh, go ahead and like this. If you like a different world, if you're from an HBCU, if you proud, just 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 light it up, <laughs> light it up for me. But I've been re-watching A Different World. And this theme came up in one of the episodes. Anybody know which one it is? Um, it's the one where Tisha Campbell is playing Josie. And she is HIV positive and they have a public speaking assignment to, um, to write and uh, give their own eulogies. And so I'm like, wow. After reading this and working on this and watching this recently, I'm like, I wonder if the seven habits had anything to do with with that being part of the episode. I don't know, but the point is that this kind of work, though uh, Whitley Gilbert would call it Trey Morbid, <laughs> it really does help us put our lives into perspective. And um, you may be asking, why now? Um, when, As we're recording this, we're definitely still in the thick of corona. Um, but um, I think now is a really good time to talk about this. Because if we've ever been or walked through the shadow or the where the valley of the shadow of death, um it is now. And for me personally, I count it and I think in the past 12 to 15 months, even before the pandemic hit, I dealt with probably 5 to 10 major life traumas. And um Oddly enough, I've been encouraged to keep the pressure on a little longer. Um, they say, I don't know who, who who this is by, but they say if you're going through hell, keep going, right? So I am leaning into this because uh, one of my favorite speakers, preachers, he says, all of this pain with no gain would be a shame. Andy Stanley, it would be a shame. And to be honest, I don't wanna go back to normal. Honestly, I don't have the chance to. I wanna start again. I wanna start new and I wanna do better. And I wanna think about what Mary Oliver is challenging us. What will I do with this precious life of mine? And um, Stephen Covey with this exercise is encouraging us to begin with the end in mind. And so I want to kind of unpack some of the important things that I found and that I'm working through and that I'm hoping we can work through together a little bit and unpack um, in four L's. (laughs) I like alliteration, I like all of that. I love English class. So four L's, one, limitation, what I call the blessing of limitation, two, Love, how does beginning with the end in mind inform how we love? The next is legacy. And lastly, how do we live with the new lease on life? So limitation, love, uh, legacy, and life. So the first L, which is really the crux of what we'll talk about or the real the real meat of our conversation is about the blessing of limitation. The blessing of limitation. Uh, when I was in school at Eastman, one of my teachers said something to me that I thought was really odd, but he said a good artist is consistently assessing and reassessing their limits or something to the effect of that. Uh, Russell Miller, I think was his name at Eastman. And I thought it was kind of odd, but as I am coming to this conversation, it makes perfect sense to me. Limits bring about a definition of scope. So when I talk about scope, I think about English class. I think about preparing communication. And all scope is, is defining what we will communicate or what we will engage in by what we won't talk about, <laughs> right? Right? Today, we're talking about our human um, human fate. We're talking about mortality, but we're not talking about an afterlife, right? So that helps to define the scope of the conversation we have. Um, and it can be a real blessing to realize that we have limits. Oddly enough, um, I think about the word jurisdiction. (laughs) If you think about law enforcement, I know it's a little odd, but it's perfect because every law enforcement officer is not active everywhere, right? This idea of jurisdiction allows us to focus our energies on um, and limit our responsibilities to maximize our effectiveness, right? And so I love the the uh, funeral exercise because it kind of manufactures a scope of time, three years, three years. It's um, short enough so that we get to it, but it's long enough so that there is an opportunity to actually make some, some sort of impact. And so life is a little different <laughs> because the tricky part of it is we don't know. We do not know how much time we have. But I was thinking about, so what is the scope of life? What is it? And I think primarily the scope of life is always now the primary one. Um, thinking about living a day as a life. It's so odd. I, I saw that on Instagram. I follow like some of the philosophy pages. <laughs> and uh, one of the quotes was, Live a day as a life. Right. But more than that, beyond all this philosophical stuff, okay, how long do people live? Hello, y'all. We now, we really sometimes be fooling ourselves like we're going to live for 300 years. We're going to live for a thousand years. No. I mean, look at the life expectancies. What, what is a human life? What is the scope of it? Because we need to realize what is possible. Right. I think about, um, I think about David and Solomon. I've been reading uh, my Bible. (laughs) Right. But Solomon had like two major projects in his life to build two buildings. And it's just like, these days, you can build a whole lot of buildings in a lifetime. But the fact is, we need to know what's possible in our lifetime. Uh, another scripture says, teach us to number our days that we may have a heart of wisdom, right? Psalm 90, 12. But yeah, the sense of urgency brought on by a deadline. Okay, that's a really bad pun. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. But there's an appropriate sense of urgency that comes with realizing that something needs to end, that our lives have to end. And um, Dr. Maya Angelou, she says it so poignantly. So I'm gonna read. I have my little, my little, um, my little quote here. We have the brains and the heart to face our futures bravely, taking responsibility for the time we take up and the space we occupy. Dr. Maya Angelou. Yeah. One life experience that has helped me get a sense of life and what it means to take responsibility of my scope of time is being in the junior Olympics, <laughs> junior high. <laughs> yes, that's a little secret. I ran um, track-ish. I, you can't even call it track, it was like fifth or sixth grade. Um, but I ran the four by 100 meter dash, or no, the four by 100 meter re- relay. And, um, I got there because apparently I ran the 100 meter dash better than, I don't know, some of the girls in my grade, I guess. (laughs) went. So, uh, we went on the district and we practiced and we practiced, but, um, I didn't have to run 400 meters by myself. The whole race was 400 meters, but all I had to run was 100. That first of all, that was my, that was my best event anyway. Um, but what was good about that was I could train for what I could do, and then I needed to learn how to receive the baton and then how to hand it off, right? Things that were in my power that were in my wheelhouse. And sometimes we either get, I think, overwhelmed by what there is to do that we do nothing, or that we try to do everything, but nothing that is that important relies solely on us. But I love the fact of what Dr. Angelou is saying, that even though it's not on us, we can take the the responsibility for the time and space that we occupy, right? But that all sounds great, except for we act like we're not gonna die. We, we act like we're training for the thousand, hundred, hundred million uh meter dash or relay. Y'all is is pro- is problematic, but I get it. I'm here because this is something I struggle to face and therefore embrace. It's hard because one reason I think is because we're all coping with. A, an uncertainly timed eventuality. Um, but sometimes it's hard to even see it that way. Like, um, m- some of you know that earlier this year or, you know, earlier in the past, uh, 12, 12 months, um, my father passed away. And when I had mourned other close, um, people in my life, I mourned it more like a tragedy in that it was almost as if it could have been avoided ultimately I know I know it's not it's not like that in real life, but something some nuance of how i of how I mourned was kind of like I don't know like sometimes we treat death like it's like a broken arm like it's bad and it happens to some of us but almost as if it could be avoided but when my dad passed away you know and I'm in a different place in my life I mourned his death and I will miss him but much of what I've been going through honestly is mourning and facing the fact that we all got to go that way that I too have to go that way that even if it could have been avoided at that moment, eventually my dad had to go. And oddly enough, I find some comfort in realizing that that wasn't news to him, that he knew he had to go. And I don't know, it's odd, but something about realizing i've known it always intellectually but again it's this kind of burying my head into the sand um that i fear many of us do and that we don't really face that and so much of what i've been dealing with is yeah my own mortality and the mortality of everyone i know we all gotta go that way Um. But I know we don't want to face it, right? Because we don't want to end up in a midlife crisis. We don't want to end up in crisis, uh, 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 what they call it, uh, it starts with an E, um, existential crisis. You know, we don't want to do that, that that does a lot. But um, I think it's important to lean in because I think running can lead to some recklessness and some waste, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I see this a lot in, in me, right? So I've gone through all of this, I'm facing all of this, and I still can't fix my lips to say when I die. I'm telling you it's like that right there is progress, right? It was always this if I die and it's just like, oh well, it's words, but I literally had to sit there and make my mouth say it because there's some sort of some sort of denial that I just have been using this evasive speech, right? But then I talked to my uh roommate and she's like, Oh no, for me, it's when you know i i I'm pretty good at you know connecting to reality and realizing that, you know, we all have to go that way in a way that, you know, it's not a problem for me. So I wanna take a poll. <laughs> I know this is so odd, right? I wanna take a poll. Um, the ifers, um versus the winners, okay? <laughs> If you like my roommate and it's just like, yes, when, I'm very um, cognizant and sober to the fact that it is always when, Um, put when or winner, W-H-E-N-N-E-R in the comments. I want to take a poll. I want to see who's listening. So maybe these when people can help us out. But if you are more of an if person and you're really struggling with wrapping your lips around it, or with these different things where you can't quite face it. Um, I'll give you another example. I was looking up one of my favorite hymns a couple weeks ago. um, And I wanted to hear the whole thing, the whole four verses. And anybody that knows about hymns, a lot of times they cut out a verse. and typically, it's the verse dealing with death. So, right, we going through, oh, my Jesus, I love you, and all of this kind of stuff. And we go through life, and then we skip to in mansions of glory. But I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to hear about the death uh, a lying on my brow. Anybody know that those sense? you know what I'm talking about. But this just kind of a slight evasions and kind of omission of um, death in our everyday lives. So if you like me and you are ifer and you're having a hard time facing it, just put if or if I-F-F-E-R in the comments. I want to see, uh, who's listening. This whole acting like or pretending like we are not going to die is not just about us. It affects the way that we love other people. And so that's what I talk, want to talk about right now. Um, and so if you've stuck around this long, thank you. Because I know this is not easy, but I think you're here for the best part because we are going to see what it does to us to be in that denial. And um, yeah, it's not just about us because when we don't face that, we start acting crazy. I really believe that we start start acting crazy, um, proud, I call it grand and callous. Um, You ever had somebody talk to you crazy? I mean, just left like trying to put you in your place, especially when there is a power differential and someone is um, like trying to put you in your place, especially as a black woman. Y'all, 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 y'all. It can be, it can be something and I just look at these people. First of all, I'm shocked. I learned from my therapist that that is how I typically respond to things that are just so left. I can't even say, I can't even process what you said to me because I'm so shocked that you let it pass your lips. <laughs> okay, I'm shocked. But when they when they start talking to you crazy or trying to put you in your place, whatever that means to you, um, I'm real quiet then because I don't know what to say, but best believe when I'm going off about it to somebody else, one thing I want to say is, do you know you going to die? Do you know? Cuz you walking around here all big and bad like you going to put me in my place. Honey, if they cut me, if they cut you, we both going to bleed and it's going to hurt. So if you put me in my place, it's going to be on the ground with you one foot in the grave, okay? Okay? Like don't don't play with me. Like and I'll never say it to them and um now this is a d- disclaimer You might want to say that to somebody, just make sure you got another job lined up, you know, make sure you got your stuff together or, you know, just go off, you know, afterward. But, um, this idea of having the humility of our mortality, realizing that even in different, uh, not different, even in difficult situations, we we all are still vulnerable. We're all still mortals. We're all still but flesh. Um, and I've been trying to work on this myself um, because sometimes my words can be sharp, y'all. Like you hear, you, you heard how I went off. I don't be going off on nobody like that in real life. But still, when I'm having hard conversations, my words can be sharp. And I've had to um, really make a commitment to try to be honest without being frank. Um, because it it don't work, it don't work for me. And um, one of my new things I wanna tell you about, so I want you to think about a difficult conversation you've had, maybe you've disagreed, maybe someone has done you wrong, maybe you've done someone wrong, whatever, and you ready to woo woo woo, whop the bam, whatever. (laughs) or you're ready to um, defend yourself or you know tell them where to go and get uh tell them where to go and how to get there or where to get off you know all of that good stuff right i want you to imagine what would happen imagine what you would say and then imagine if it would change if you found out that person had a diagnosis um a projection that they would only live another few months, a few years, or that it was you. You had a diagnosis, and you only had a few months, maybe a few years to live. How would that response be different? And you may say, Whitney, that is dramatic. But I don't think so. Because we're all dealing with a terminal illness that is sure yet uncertainly timed. And we think we can dole out our mercy as if we can somehow guess or assume how much time someone else or we have left based on how well we feel, how young or old we or they are. But the truth is, we don't know. We never do. And so that challenges me that even in hard times to really be kind. To try to be understanding. And even when I'm scrolling, make sure I'm happy for people that even if I don't like what they're doing. Because at the end of the day, they're human just like me. And if I think about that we share the exact same deep struggles. There is a sense of tenderness there. There is a sense of boundless mercy that I can tap into. And it's not pretend. I don't have to pretend like this person is gonna die. They really are. I don't have to pretend like I'm gonna die. I really am. And that's something we always have in common. And so I challenge us to access that mercy and to give it freely. Um, As church people believe that the merciful will obtain mercy so we can hope for sure. And so I, I wanna do my part, you know? Our second to last L is legacy, legacy. And I think about the motivation for legacy th- mindset for me is the fact that somebody in the future needs what I have and I need to make sure I leave it to them. Even if it's somebody in my time, somebody beyond my the scope of my life will need something from it. And the question is, have I, have we, made sure, are we making sure that they get it? Right, hmm, hmm, ooh, that just just stuck me right, it got me right, (laughs) it got me right here. Um, But though it doesn't just have to be things, it can be things, like one of my legacy goals is to have a body of recordings. Um, because I'm a singer and I think it's important for me to share, um, what I've been able to accomplish with my voice and the instrument itself, you know, I don't have anything to do with that, but, um, maybe someone beyond the scope of my ability to reach them in my life would need that. Um, and so we can do so many things with recording and video. It's amazing. Um, so that could be work related, but it can also be just about impact. Like um, when we talk about this funeral exercise, that is like the anchor exercise. I know we have our anchor quote, but that exercise is so interesting because it's about people, right? It's not about stuff. I don't know, maybe this is an, a my Angelou quote. I don't, I, yeah, I think so. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but people will forget, they, they won't remember what you did What you said, or many other things, but they will remember how you made them feel. And so, remembering to give people the best experience of us we can is amazing. Um, But, you know, there's also getting our affairs in order. Like, y'all, so many people are dying without their affairs in order. Uh, You know, like, you think. It it seems intuitive. We all gonna die, right? Like we all know that. But y'all, if you look around, if you look around enough, you will see how difficult it is for people to face that. Y'all, it's my phone, Lord. I'm doing my recording and I ain't put my phone on silent. Shame on me. (laughs) Give me one second. I'll be right back. Sorry, y'all. I know this is really important. I, you know. I'm back, <laughs> anyway, um, I wanna go on to talk about the sense of legacy based on something a friend sent me on Instagram like not long ago. The title was like My grandfather left oh my great grandfather left my grandfather some really large amount of money, and this lady is telling about her family. And she says that although her grandfather was left a lot of money, he didn't really have the education or the know-how to deal with it. And so he died with little to nothing. And she made a really great point about legacy is not just leaving someone something, but making sure they know what to do with it. And um, we've been talking about the relay race, you know, that especially the really important things in life, it may take many people's lives to really make a difference, um, but that doesn't mean yours doesn't count, right? And so, as we are using that that illustration, I think about making sure people know what to do with it, like passing the baton instead of tossing it or dropping it, right? But again, some of us have a hard time facing the fact that we're mortals and so we act like we're not gonna die in the way that we hold and hoard our positions, our giftings, our power, and our information like we holding on to it like we could take it with us maybe you believe in that that's a whole different story we're not talking about that today but you probably don't you probably don't think you could take it with you so why you acting like that (laughs) excuse me because I see so many people needing what others have but I just I look sometimes at different organizations and I'm like do you realize how old you are? and that's not I mean I mean you see how I brought it down because it's that it's that humility like are you really prepared for someone to take your place? Are we really preparing to share what we have in a way that someone else can have it after we're gone? Uh, that brings me to Shakespeare right? So <laughs> uh Shakespeare's sonnets focus on, or the subject would kind of be translated to mean, I mean, it's English, but you know, it needs to be translated. <laughs> Most people figure it to mean that he's talking about children, right? In the first, you know, couple few sonnets or however, his early sonnets. And I've been reading some of them because I I think it's fun. Um, I like the language and I've been looking for more inspiration. So that's part of why I'm doing this. I like things, I like inspirational things. I like art, I like literature. So um, I had just been reading some of them and it was interesting, his thoughts on legacy, in having children. But I think that there's some poignance there. I'm not talking about millennials having kids and not having the kids that is beyond the scope of this conversation, amen, praise God. But I do think there is some, <laughs> I do think there is something there for us because we can produce, create things that bear our, um, bear our mark That doesn't have to do with procreation, doesn't have to do with having your own child. So I'm going to take this excerpt from uh, Shakespeare's first sonnet, and then I'm going to uh, kind of translate it in a way. I know this is interesting. So any of my uh, different world fans, if you've already liked it, you know, good if you haven't. Go ahead and like this episode just because I'm shouting out a different world. But uh, Lena James, which is Jada Pinkett's character, she watched, uh, was it West Side Story? And thought she was going to be prepared for her Shakespeare assignment. That didn't work, so she had to actually read it. And so she did this kind of reading the Shakespeare and learning what it meant and then translating it into her own speech. And she said, you know, in the 90s, if Shakespeare was a rapper, he'd be vanilla shake. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but I wanted to say it. Um, anyway, so I'm gonna do the Shakespeare version and then I'm gonna do the Whitney remix. Uh R.I.P. Natalie uh, what's her name? Natalie DeCell? I don't know why I wanna call it DeSell. Y'all I'm an opera singer, so I got I got things mixed up in my head. But R.I.P. Mickey from um from Babs. Natalie DeCell. Okay, so Shakespeare Sonnet one. This is an excerpt. Okay, I'm gonna hold this up so I can read it real nice with my, uh, with my old English um, voiceover voice. Thou art now the world's fresh ornament and only herald to the gaudy spring. Within thine own bud buriest thy content and tender churl makest waste in niggarding. Pity the world, or else this glutton be, to eat the world's dew by the grave and thee. My translation, it's not nearly as poetic, but hopefully it'll make sense. You are the best and brightest of today and the most beautiful reminder that there will be a tomorrow, but you bury the best of yourself wasting your gifts by hoarding and hiding please have mercy on this world or have this shame to rob the world by living and dying without creating and sharing you may be asking what does all of this mean for me now. Um, and that's how we get to our last L. I'm glad you asked again. Because the last L is life. I didn't want to do legacy last. Because that's not where we are. We're in life. And I want to lean into that. What am I doing with what I've been going through with All of this that I've been unpacking and untapping, untapping, unpacking and tapping into. um, Yeah, this has, this train of thought has actually brought about this podcast, right? Um, Not long after my father passed away, one of my classmates from college passed away Um, and it was so odd because when I talk about the intoxication of life, of youth, of joy, I mean, both of those people were some larger than life type of personalities, (laughs) you know, like, like somewhat controversial, you know, like a trip. And so when you think, of that you don't see them as sick or you know my my father did have some health issues but especially my 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 classmate no health issues youthful um youthful essence and to see his life snuffed out like that um by a car accident it really brought on that sobriety I'm hoping that this episode will continue to deepen because I had to think, oh wow, e- even him. Yeah, even him, even all of us, sis, come on now. I thought we went through this. I'm talking to me, right? I have to <laughs> I have to keep, keep going through it and I know I need to be kind. But um, I had to ask myself, what am I doing with what I have? And am I doing as much as I could be doing? Am I sharing as much as I could be sharing? Um, I've been told that the measure of a life is in how much of it is given away. And so, I say, you know what? I've been needing to share my thoughts. I've been needing to connect with people, with artists. I've been needing to walk with others. And... Maybe it's sad to say, maybe it's just realistic to say, but it kind of took somebody dying. And I'm hoping that it doesn't have to be that for you. I'm hoping that we can just have this conversation and that we all can get to it. That it doesn't have to take another sad, but real eventuality. Um... But what was stopping me before? Fear. Fear of, honestly, there was this odd fear that if I do what I'm supposed to do or do all of it, that I'm somehow hastening my, uh, my death. I know that's not realistic, but it's just a weird thing I had in my head. It's just like, girl, no. But, <laughs> but also, I realized that a lot of my fears about, Um, how I'll be received or how things will affect, you know, money and all of that is linked to survival. It's linked to a scarcity mindset. It's linked to this notion that um, I need to at all costs avoid suffering, that I need to at all costs avoid death. And in a lot of ways, I do. I mean, I believe in the preservation of life. I believe in the sanctity of life. I'm not telling nobody to get, to be reckless. I'm not promoting nothing that ain't right, <laughs> right? But not at all costs, right? Cause I gotta die anyway. Hello, it's gotta happen anyway. And so instead of me living afraid of like, what's the worst that can happen? I could die so, or somebody gonna talk about me. Oh my gosh. Like that's not, <laughs> that ain't no reason to not do nothing. Okay. But I am challenged to em- embrace uncertainty because that's our lot in life anyway. If again, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we don't know. We don't know and we don't know how much time we have left. We don't know what is around the corner. And so we can take on some risks, right? Uh, I have this thing (laughs) that I've been thinking about recently, which is that death is a kind of a miracle. I know that's a little bit odd to say, but If you put me in a world where everything was the same or much was the same, except for there was no suffering, there was no death, I would not be able to imagine it. I—I mean, it seemed. I mean, it is so unreal in a lot of ways. Like I was saying with my dad and with my classmate. I mean, these people—what would be like what I would call larger than life. But in our world, that's not a thing because everybody has to go that way. Um, But I wouldn't be able to imagine or fathom death if it wasn't real. And I think about that and I turn that around and I say, well, if death is possible, right? If these people, these miracles of life can go and not be there anymore, I think, well, Well, what else is possible? You know? Shoot, if that can happen, what else can happen? Uh, Apparently anything is possible. I know that might be a little outlandish to some, but it helps me, okay? Um, (laughs) It helps me, right? But like anything is possible. And so I am encouraged to choose purpose over self, overly self-preserving, right? And to seek, significance and satisfaction um and not to worship longevity or you know what I mean like I think about some of the most influential people to me and to like black culture and to Christian culture like MLK, Malcolm X, Jesus none of them lived long lives it's not necessarily about the length. It's not necessarily about the money and the status. But again, how much can we give away? And so I'm hoping that we will embrace risk. I'm hoping we will embrace uncertainty. I'm hoping we will embrace each other. Joy in our work, a lightness of heart and a connection that we can treasure one another, that we can walk through our lives on purpose, alive and awake, knowing that every moment, every single moment is a gift. And so the other thing that me facing what I struggle to embrace Um, this facing my mortality and us doing it together today is this deepened sense of gratitude. And especially if you've made it to this point in the video, um, thank you. Thank you for spending time, time of your one wild and precious life with me as we work through this together. Know that your deepest struggles are mine and that we are truly in this together. (sighs) But if you've gotten to the end of this and you're like, well, great, Whitney, you opened up a can of worms and what am I supposed to do? Well, okay, what am I gonna do with my life? I don't know, right? right? That, that's okay. Cause that's why we're here. And so, um, in the next episode, I'm hoping we can get, um, a little more into that as we talk about values and vision. And so tune in next time and please subscribe to make sure you get the notification and to make sure you know that the, uh, that the episode is out and, um, and feel free to support this uh, this channel, because it's free to support the Art of Sanctuary with Whitney Morrison. Just subscribe, like, and comment. Uh, and please c- uh, connect with us on social media. Uh, I would love to talk with you about any and all of what we've discussed today. And so uh, I look forward to it. And so until next time, let's end with our, um, our benediction. Uh, In the form of an affirmation. May we live in wholeness. May we give from fullness. May we create with passion. Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) Peace, love y'all.